I'd like for you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. Blessing and glory and honor. Our text today begins with blessed. And I would like to read verses 3 through 12. We are not going to cover all of these verses today. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm hoping to get through the first section. I might not even get through the first section today. But this is an incredible text. It has warmed my heart. And I hope that it will warm your heart too over the next several weeks as we look at it. And I hope that you'll continue to read 1 Peter. Because what we need today is a doxology of praise to God in the darkness. And if I had to give a title to this doxology, before this is what it is, I would entitle it a doxology in darkness. And as I read the text, you're going to discover that each one of these sections mentions our Lord Jesus Christ. He's found in the center section alone, but in section number one, the Father is there. And in section number three, the Holy Spirit is there. And you're also going to note that in every one of these sections, references made to the salvation that God has brought to us. A salvation that has dealt with the penalty of sin through the cross work of Christ. A salvation that is dealing with us individually as we go through the trials of life and are being set apart by the Holy Spirit to the Lord. But especially a salvation that's future. And that is the glory that awaits us. And this salvation is referenced here in this text as an inheritance. If you know the Lord today, if you are in Christ, if you are in the Son, He is the heir. And if you're in Him, you're a joint heir with Christ. And you need to start seeing what this text is teaching to, to change your thinking. You might be here today and you're just overwhelmed by everything that's happening around us. And that's consuming your thoughts. And it's creating anxiety and discouragement and depression. We need to understand that God Himself is shaking the nations. And He's begun to shake the nations using a little virus that we can't even see. But the prophets talk about God shaking the nations. And there's going to be more shaking in the future than we even see right now. But God is in control and His purposes will prevail. And you and I need to have the ability to look through the darkness, past the fog, into the eternal age that awaits us. That's the only way that you're going to be able to make any sense out of the confusion that we're in right now, even as a nation, let alone the world. The world is heading toward one world government with Antichrist on the scene to rule and demand that we worship Him as God. And all of that's going to take place before the return of our Lord. Thank God we've got a book that tells us all this stuff, that can bring us this understanding so that we can move forward with confidence. How can it be a nation so divided over who's in power and whose policies are going to shape the nation? How can a nation be so enraged with fire and arson and looting 
and the promise of more fire to come. Should a new justice be appointed by this president? Where is all this fomentation coming from? Well, there's an agenda. And the agenda is globalism, one world government, ridding society of the true God, the one whose doxology we're going to begin to understand today. That he's deserving of all praise and glory and honor. You've got to see through all of this. And what's going to help us get through it is understanding the purposes of our God and where He's taking us through all of this darkness. You need to stabilize your thinking and your mind around the book. And so let's read this doxology together and then we'll start looking at the first section, Lord willing, today. Blessed Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, through, and though you have not seen Him, you what? You love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but you what? You believe in Him. And you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of our faith what? The salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, they made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which were now announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Can you imagine that there are things that angels long to look into? And they are the things that we know, the things that are ours? It's absolutely incredible to me. The blessing that has come to us in the salvation of God. A doxology in the darkness. And I would say that the theme of this entire section, verses 3 through 12, is that God is to be blessed for His salvation. God is to be blessed. And the context... For this entire section are the trials that people were going through. Do you feel a little distressed by some of the trials you're going through? Yes or no? Yes. That is the context of this. And it's going to invite us to look past the earthly trouble that surrounds us and looked at the eternal inheritance that is ours in the future. You have an inheritance because you have a Savior who's the Son of God. And the Bible's already told us that all things are Christ. Doesn't it say that? 
And then Paul says, now all things are therefore yours because you are a joint heir with Christ. Do you think this age is everything? Do you think this mess that we're going through is all there is? My friends, no. It's a blip in eternity. And you've got to start understanding this in your mind. You've got to start changing your thinking. You've got to start storing up the type of thinking in your mind that will be useful in the midst of your distress and persecution and hostility and rejection and animosity and hatred and everything else that's coming to you in this life. You have to store up the thinking that takes you through the darkness. My friend, the, the way out of distress is hope. And the way out of distress is praise to God. Blessed be God and Father. So the first thing that I want you to note from this text is that we are to bless God the Father who has given His Son the inheritance. Notice that our text says, Blessed be the God and Father of who? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when you read this phrase, God and Father especially, you've got to understand that the term Father was not used too many times in the Old Testament concerning God. And very specifically in this text, He is the Father. The text doesn't say of us. It says that He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ in this section has a relationship with the Father and He has a relationship to us. He is our Lord, He is our Jesus, and He is our Christ. That's who He is to us. He is the kurios. That word in the Greek New Testament was the word that was used to translate the Hebrew covenant name of God in the Old Testament. You read the Greek translation called the Septuagint, translated 250 years before Christ ever came. And when they would come to the covenant name of God, Yahweh, they would translate it kurios. And this is the same word concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is He? He is God the Son. That's who He is to us. He's Lord, Lord of all. And he's Jesus. And you know that that name means Yahweh saves, right? Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. Call his name Yahweh saves, for he shall save his people from their sins. Thank God there's someone to save Bill Jones from his sins. Thank God that there's someone to save Bill Jones from the penalty of his sins and the power of his sin. And the day is coming when he is going to save me from the presence of sin. What a day that's going to be. Do you realize that's for you too if you know the Lord? And he's Mashiach. He's Messiah. He's the anointed one. That is who he is to me. But who is he to God the Father? He's the Son and you see that relationship between father and son in the Bible. And by the way, every time Jesus addressed God, he always addressed him as the father. He called him my father. There's only one time in the New Testament when Jesus addressed him as God. Can anybody remember when that was? On the cross of Calvary, as he was eternally separated from His Father. 
Oh, the seven sayings of Christ on the cross begin with him calling God his Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it ends, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But right in the midst of the darkness, when God made him who knew no sin to be a sin offering for us, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In his humanity as a man among us, bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh, the great creator, the Father, was addressed as God. But he addresses him as Father because the Father and the Son share the same essence. I have six children, and unfortunately, all six of them share my essence. Now, that's why God made a woman, so there's at least half a chance. No, all the references to God being the Father speak of the eternal sonship of Christ sharing the same nature as the Father, sharing the same nature as the Son. And so we are going to bless God the Father because the one in whom we have believed, and the word faith is found all through this text too. Our new life began because we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we are true believers, we will believe all of our life. We will endure to the end from the beginning of faith, clear through life. Faith is our foundation in Christ. Christ is the object of our faith. We believe, and because we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ... All that He is, understand today, all that He has done, all that He will receive from the Father is ours. We are in Him, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. So in the darkness... I started a couple weeks ago when I started studying this text to try to begin my day, whether I was in my bed or around the house or out on a roof, turn my eyes toward heaven and say, blessed be you, God and Father of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You start focusing on these things, and it'll get you through the darkness. Problem, you've not tried to do it. Problem, you've been living your life the same way you've been living it for a few years. And you're not seeing your mind transformed to think different thoughts that'll get you out of your darkness and distress. A second thought that I want to direct your attention to from this text, bless God the Father who's planted His life in you in Christ. Look at the text. According to His great mercy has done what? He has caused us to be born again. And that phrase, to be, He's caused us to be born again, literally the language says He begot us. He begot us. And it's a, a statement of fact. The one who begot us again. We have an earthly father who begot us 
and we have physical life because of him. But thank God we have a Father in heaven that has begotten us to a new life. By the way, this word's kind of peculiar to Peter. And he'll use it again, I believe it's in verse 23 of the same chapter, where he says, to beget spiritually to a new spiritual life. Do you understand today that God in his sovereignty has chosen you and chosen me? Do you realize that? And you and I are now the recipients of this eternal salvation. For we have been born, like John 3 says, from above. Peter would write, For you've been born again, not of seed that is perishable, but you're born again of seed which is imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. That is why the Bible is so important and must be so important to you. Your new life started in the Bible, right? The gospel of God, the word of God was preached to you and it was planted like seed in your heart and by the power of the Spirit of God, it came to life. And that word that began your new life is the same word that sustains your new life in sanctification. Sanctify them through your truth. Now finish the verse. Thy word is truth. You were saved. God using the word. And you're sanctified by God using the word. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. This new work, this new birth is the work of God. In John chapter 1 and verse 13, it says that it's the will of God and not the will of man that you were born again. In John 3, the Lord would tell Nicodemus, Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. And it's by the Spirit. You see, it is God that has caused you to be born again. And this new birth in the Scripture is also called a quickening. It's called a new creation. I love what Titus 3, 5 says. He saved us, not because of works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And I love what James writes in the first chapter it says, of, it, of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be the first fruits of His creation. So my friend, bless God that He has a Son who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless God because He has caused you to be born again, to be a part of his family, to be a child of God, and as such, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now I have a third thought I'd like for you to think about. And I hope that you can meditate on these thoughts all week. Bless God the Father who's shown you mercy. Look at the text. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His what? His great mercy has caused us to be born again. What a word. The mercy of God. The compassionate love of God. That love which makes Him condescend to the lowest state of the helpless, the weak, the wretched, 
the sinful, the failing, the down and out, those left in the slavery of their sin, facing all the consequences of their sin. He pitied us. And in great love made the difference. I want you to know today that what God does for us is not due to the fact that we deserve it. There's nothing that we can repay God for His love. This love and salvation and this inheritance has come to us because of God's kindness, God's care, God's mercy alone. And now you know why I wanted to sing that song. Mercy alone. Titus 3, 5. By His mercy, He redeemed us. He washed us. He regenerated us. Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says, God, who is rich in mercy, even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, He came after us to save us. He's a God of mercy. Exodus 34 and verse 6. The Lord merciful. Do you know that's one of his names? The Lord merciful. Psalm 108, it says this, that God's mercy is far above the heavens. In Micah chapter 7 and verse 18, he delights in his mercy. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, it says that it is the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. And for those of us that know the Lord, How many times have you reminded yourself that the mercy of God is renewed every single morning? Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but I need the mercy of God on a daily basis. I need that mercy. I need that compassionate love. I need that pity. I need that saving grace that will take me from my sinning to obedience. And I'm thankful that it's renewed every morning. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 calls the Father, the Father of mercies. Now here's a fourth thought. Bless God the Father who has raised His Son from the dead and united you to Him, Christ, your living hope. Look at the text. He's caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We reminded ourselves of that this afternoon when we took the table of the Lord. We reminded ourselves that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was God's stamp of approval on His work. That's how you know His cross work satisfied justice. Romans 1 says He was raised because of our justification. He accomplished paying the penalty for our sin. God's justice was satisfied. He could now be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. And that's seen in the resurrection. Resurrection is a big deal. People have asked me from time to time, why are you a Christian? I usually give them three reasons. Well, number one, the prophecy of the Bible. There's no book like this. It's the only book in human history that has prophecy in it. It's been fulfilled, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Another reason I give to them is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You show me a man who can conquer death, I'll follow him. And then the gift of righteousness in Christ, I'm thankful for that. I don't have to work to make myself righteous. I don't even have to add my righteousness to the work of Christ 
and wait for the eternal judgment of God to see if I was righteous enough? I already know I wasn't, but I know this. My Christ, who's the Son, was righteous enough. And my faith is in Him. And I have been cleansed from all of my sin. I'm not going to purgatory to be cleansed. My cleansing took place at the cross. And my faith is in Christ, the one who was raised from the dead. He is my hope. He's the living hope. I love that verse in Titus. Looking for the blessed hope. And what is the blessed hope? Anybody know what the blessed hope is in Titus? Finish the verse. The glorious appearing of who? Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A great verse on the deity of the Lord. He's called our great God. He's called our great Savior. And that text is not saying God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as two separate people. A grammatical rule in the language makes the great God and Savior our Lord Jesus Christ. And my hope is in the one who came back from the dead and ascended to glory and will come back someday and glorify me and change this vile, wretched body of sin and death and transform it into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I have been united to Christ in His resurrection. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. You're pretty much alive right now, right? So what does it mean when it says you have died? How did you die to sin? And what does that mean? You died in Christ. It is as if you were on the cross. It is as if you had satisfied God's justice against your disobedience. But God in His grace and God in His mercy allowed me to die in the person of my representative. I died with Christ. But it doesn't only tell me that I died with Christ. But it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. But the text doesn't even stop there. You see, I died in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. But then the next two words tell me that I'm hidden in God. Do you see how secure you are in Christ? It is as if you are in God Himself. That's how secure you and I are. And it is at that resurrection work of Christ that Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power. His resurrection was the Father's way of saying, He's my Son. Now that's not the first time. That's not the first time He was called the Son in His earthly life, right? Even at His birth, this Holy One will be called the Son of God. At His baptism, heaven opens and the Father says, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. And then just before His crucifixion, heaven opens another time. And the Father speaks from heaven and ears heard Him say, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. But the greatest declaration of His Sonship And that sonship with power and authority was His resurrection. 
He conquered death. What power? He conquered the devil and the grave. What power? He accomplished the justice of God. What power? This is our Christ. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. So bless God that you and I are united with him. Bless God that our hope is not dead, but our hope is alive. And another thought. Bless God the Father who has given you an incredible inheritance. An inheritance. God caused us to be born again for two purposes. To a living hope and to obtain an inheritance. Those two main points are what God has caused us to be born again to. When I was five, I went to a foster home. My mother, she had multiple sclerosis. And it had multiple sclerosis for a number of years. And so, two of my sisters and I went to one foster home. And my oldest brother went into the Colorado Boys School. We were separated. In the providence of God, I was placed in a Christian foster home. And in the providence of God, the gospel was shared with me. And through the sheer mercy and grace of God, He caused me to be born again. And I'll never forget the day when I was in a home around the corner from my foster home. And the family, I'll remember their name, their name was Yantis. And they were hosting a five-day Bible club. And somehow our family and my sisters and I were invited to go. And one of the days in that week, they were teaching the lesson of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And those that were bitten by the snakes lived when they looked away to that lifted up snake. And it was that story with the lifting up of the cross of Christ and the promise that anyone who looked away to Christ would live. It is that message that God used in His Word to bring me to new life. And I looked to Christ and I lived. I had a chance to see my natural father a few times, not too many times. I'll never forget the day he sent me a birthday card. Happy birthday to my daughter. He took a pen and scratched out the word daughter and in his own handwriting wrote the word son. I'll be honest with you. I thought to myself, Dad, why didn't you have enough love and interest in me to have at least bought the right type of card? I was never close to my natural father. To be honest with you, I never really knew him. And then he died. And he had nothing to share with his kids, no inheritance. And my grandmother, his mother, wrote us all a check for $1,000 or so and gave it to us in the stead of my father. I didn't get an inheritance from my father. I left the foster home when I had graduated from my first year of college, my high school and first year of college, having been very thankful that all those years that home was open to me. And my foster father had tucked me underneath his wings 
And it seemed as though every Saturday he'd go to the lumber yard and he'd take me with him. Now, to be honest with you, one of the reasons I wanted to go is they had Tootsie Rolls at the lumber yard at the checkout. And Dad knew that Mom didn't like candy in our house. So I'd just kind of look up at him and take a handful of Tootsie Rolls. And him and I would stop on the way home to, at a bakery. And he'd buy me one of these big elephant ears, you know, those real thin things was covered in sugar and cinnamon, you know. One of those things that Mom wouldn't allow or else he'd stop at one of the fast food places and buy me a vanilla shake. And we'd look at each other and say, can't tell Mom. But I had the relationship with him. And then he died. And I was living here in New York City when he passed away. But just a few days before his passing, I got in a vehicle and I drove to Louisiana where he was. And at this time, he was in the hospital. Final days of his life, cancer had entered his body. And he had been fighting cancer for many years, but this time it just hit the lymph system, went everywhere. As he was laying there in the bed, and he and I were talking just all alone. Now, he has two natural sons and a natural daughter and an adopted daughter. But he never adopted me nor my sisters, because my natural family wouldn't give me up for adoption. As I lay there, as he lay there in the hospital, visiting him for the last time, the last time I would see him, he asked me, he said, he said to me, son, I, I hope that I've done something for you. I said, yes, you did, Dad. I said, you raised me, you opened up your home. You treated me with kindness. And then he gave me the last words that I'll ever remember him saying. He told me, he said, son, life is about the glory of God and our obedience to him. It was on a Sunday. On Thursday, he entered the presence of the Lord, surrounded by my sister, his daughter, and a daughter-in-law. When we attended his funeral, his oldest son told me and my sister, Lynn, I'm going to be reading Dad's will, and I'd like for you to set in as I read Dad's will. Dad requested that. And so here I am. His oldest son begins to read the will that contained the inheritance. And I noted that, that Dad gave some money to one of my sister's children, but just one. And then gave money to one of my sisters. Now I said, man, it's coming to man. It's coming to me. That's why they wanted me to sit in here. So a few dollars were given to one of my sisters. A few dollars was given to another sister. And I was just waiting for my name to be read. I already knew how much I was going to get because they'd been announced. But my name wasn't mentioned. And he continued to read the will. And as he continued to read the will, it said this, And the rest of my estate I give to my sons, Tony, Steve, and Bill, and my foster father elevated me from a foster son to sonship. And I shared equally in the inheritance as my two older foster brothers, a foster sister, and an adopted foster sister. 
And it is in that moment that I began to realize the incredible inheritance that belongs to me because I'm a son. Not of Bertram Jones or Ralph Weber, but I am a son of the living God because I'm in Christ and Christ is the son. And I'm the heir of everything. I'm the heir of everything. And what an inheritance is mine. And just like we have wills, we have these wills, and we don't tell our children what's in our wills or what their inheritance is. My kids know it's not going to be much unless I die here in the next few years. Don't tell them that. They might never mind. Just as that was kept secret from me in that will, and then my grandmother gave me some money, and I never knew what she was going to give me, and then my brother passed away, and he gave me some funds, and I didn't know what he was going to give me. Had no idea any of this was coming. Even so, God has used that on the human level to teach us about His great inheritance that is ours in Christ. Do you know that eye has not seen and ear has not heard and it's not even entered into the thoughts of man, the things that God's prepared for us? Do you understand that? There is an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It's not corruptible. It's not going to pass away. Your eternal inheritance will not be gambled away. Matter of fact, it's reserved for you. And it's being guarded, to use the word there, by the power of God Himself. And it's undefiled. We don't have the time. I've run out of time today. But if you were to go to the Old Testament and pick up the book of Deuteronomy and start reading through the book of Deuteronomy that it has everything to do with the covenant work of God and an inheritance that He gave the nation of Israel. If you flip every single page in the book of Deuteronomy in your Bible and you've already highlighted the word land, you're going to find it appears just about on every page because the land was the inheritance that God gave the nation of Israel. They had to wait for it too, right? They wandered for years for it, right? God gave the land to Abraham, but it would take generations for him to get that land. What a testimony. We've been waiting. I've been waiting for 61 years for this inheritance. But it's there, just like the land was there. But this inheritance that comes from God, unlike the land, is undefiled. The land was defiled. You know what defiled the land? It was the sin and wickedness of the people. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality defiled the land. And not only that, the people were giving their children in death to Moloch. Sounds like America, doesn't it? You know, right in the midst of of what's happening in our nation, we've got the organization, Black Lives Matter. And you have got to separate the organization from black lives, because black lives matter. I'll go one step further. All black lives matter. And I'll take that even further. Yesterday and the day before and today and tomorrow, on the average in this country, this country, 1,100 black lives will be terminated. Did you hear what I just said? 1,100 black lives, black lives on the average are terminated to the God of the abortion clinic. And it has defiled this land. Black Lives Matter organization, and you do your research, is against the nuclear family. 
That's in their writing. That's in their manifesto. Their one desire is to see this country turn from being what it is, eliminate all of its history, and push towards socialism and Marxism. You do the research. They want a secular America that removes the mention of God. That's the agenda. And that is why they'll take out of some pledges today. One nation under God. We're headed that direction. And all of these things must take place before our Christ returns. But His inheritance is undefiled. And it fades not away. You might have the beauty of a beautiful cluster of flowers and the glory of all of that, but leave those flowers alone for a few days and the glory is going to fade away, but not this inheritance. It's undefiled. It won't pass away. And right now, this hour, it's reserved in heaven for us. Bless God for that. And a final thought is bless God that the heirs, the heirs are protected. That's what the text says. And you are protected by the power of God. This is a great text. So I invite you, as we go through the darkness I invite you that the way out is praise. It's a doxology to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has caused us to be born again because of His great mercy to a living hope How has he done that? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead who started this new life journey. He's done that for us. And he's got an inheritance for us that will never pass away. It's not defiled. It's not corrupt. It's reserved. It's there right now. And until the day the will is read and our name is mentioned, you and I will be protected by this great God and Father through the darkness. Let's pray.